I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Wayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me today to discuss Series 3, Episode 4, is the actor and writer John Dryden Taylor. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm as well as can be expected, as well as can which be I think expected. is the, the best answer one can give under the circumstances. Very good. Very good. Then I think we should go straight away to Tarrant. Yeah, well, last time I was there, now this is my third time on the, on the Always There poop deck, and I do try not to have any interaction with Howard's Way between episodes that I record. It's surprisingly easy to do. It's, it's a method thing with you, isn't it? You really <laughs> <Yeah>. focus on <laughs> But ge- genuinely, when I listen to other episodes of this podcast, I try and sort of tune in for the jokes and tune out for the plot because when I come to a new episode, I want, I want to sort of be able to gauge myself about where I was before. So last time I was here, series two, episode one, there was a whole sort of Elizabeth is missing prequel going on with regard to Lynn. <laughs> yes. Where Jan was wandering around Tarrant going, yeah, my daughter's definitely missing. <laughs> and everyone's sort of saying, oh, she's probably just got distracted looking at pictures of chocolate. She'll be back soon. <laughs> um, and in fact, you told me that Lynn was lying under Charles Freer's boat. Yeah, she was. She was floating, probably face down, I imagine, just sort of bobbing around. for. The nurse said up to 10 minutes, but then she miraculously survived. But, but nobody cared is the thing. I mean, even Jan, who was the only worried person, if you remember, we noticed that she'd somehow had a chance to change clothes and drink a bottle of wine. Yes, but she was worried, John. That's what she does. She relies on fashion and alcohol to get her through. <laughs> that was authentic and entirely in character. So this series, if you may have noticed, there's no Lynn. She's not missing. Yeah. They know where she is. She's in Portugal. And as they keep saying once every episode, when I've had a phone call from Lynn, apparently she's fine. <laughs> That's all they ever said about her. <laughs> this is the brilliant thing is that coast through the fact that the title say we're going to get Michael Dennison which I'm incredibly excited Eek. about I got punked by Howard's Way in this episode because I wrote something down while I was watching the title saying this is so misleading because it's all open sea and at one with nature and then it's loads of 80s drab interiors when you get into the show but ah. this episode starts with actual boating but as you say it's boating in which the only thing that happens in the scene is Tom and Leo have a so I hear Lynn's still alright yup 
and then that's the end of the scene. Um, I feel very seen uh, as an LGBTQ person by the pride wind cheaters they're both yes, wearing. It's a nice touch, isn't it? It's a nice touch. <laughs> I don't think it was intentional. I think it's the Howard family matching sailing gear. I think they all have, apart from Jan, obviously, they all have this matching rainbow trimmed stuff. Well, I mean, it's a very queer show. <laughs> In, 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 ev- in every possible interpretation. Well, you of that say word. that, but to, I mean, this episode is getting to grips with, without mentioning it, something rather gritty, 80s and, and LGBTQ, etc. Who boy. Okay, so let's begin. As you mentioned, at sea, Tom and Leo, they have discerned from a letter that she's getting on all right. That's Lynn in Portugal. I can't stress enough how nothing else happens in that scene. <laughs> sailing, sailing, sailing. Oh, by the way, Lynn. Yeah, she is. Cool. End of scene. It's... And there's so much going on in both of their lives, like Leo's Miss by this weird new woman who won't stop sex pesting him and Tom's life has fallen apart. He's living in a paint shed. But they just don't talk about it. <laughs> they just both look yeah, well, quite glum. I mean, I don't find out uh, in my not having been here since series two episode yeah. one kind of way. I don't find out about Tom until the next scene where Avril sort of kicks off the scene with a hello, I am a clever business lady speech, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which has been written by somebody who <laughs> has never worked in an office. <laughs> so Avril here has her clever business lady speech and then there's something about if Tom Tom Howard is cleared. So yeah. film in. So what happened was... That's David's um, girlfriend's father. I'm not doing that, John, as well you know. <laughs> um, but uh, Tom designed a catamaran, which was tested by a couple who it wasn't quite clear. I think they were thinking about buying it. And the catamaran sank, killing one of said couple. Oh, so this I is know, the Travises. Right? Yes, the Travises. So Mrs. Travis's solicitor is conducting a kind of... an Well, there's been an inquest. It was, And then now there's an inquiry to see who was at fault. Like, why did the thing sink? And Tom can't get his hands on the wreckage because they've kind of commended it so he can't prove his innocence. There's a corker of a plan brewing for how he's going to prove his innocence, which we'll get to later. Oh, yes. But back in the Relton boardroom, my favourite bit was Colin, who I don't think we've met before, Colin torpedoing Avril by citing her personal feelings for Tom Howard as a reason why she still has faith in him as a designer. And she didn't like that. And she said, I'm going to have to ask you to retract that, Colin. (laughs) Yeah, shady, huh? Also, there was a for connoisseurs of Barracuda. There was mm-hmm. a brilliant one in this scene. It had about six or seven extra syllables between the A and the, and the U. <laughs> um, also, another great line in that scene where the priorities of this series being so different from most human people's priorities. It's, yeah. it's very important how you look to the marine industry, which which is how I, you know, that's how I get dressed in the morning. I, I, I hold up various clothes in a montage and say, what would the marine industry think of this? <laughs> and the answer is it's always not. Nautique is best. Uh, <laughs> and there's mad pencil and pe- pen and pencil work. Oh, yes. So, Charles, the Charles and his golden ballpoint that he also uses to um, bid with at auctions. Yeah, and Avril just yeah. whirling hers round and round and round and round <laughs> to show tension. Yeah, that's some tension acting right there. Lots of pen acting. There's the 80s solution to everything, which is if you need to get somebody on side, get them to present something or open a supermarket. That's it. So she tells Charles that he's going to present a cup at a speedboat race, which is got a top prize of £10,000 but obviously they're entering a boat um, there's a speedboat company who were going to have their boat distributed by Relton Marine who ended up going with Ken Masters and Leisure Cruise so Avril's kind of in the drink about that with Charles because she was she lost a client basically but now she's found another speedboat client to kind of fill that gap um, so they're going to enter their own speedboat in the race so they're obviously hoping it'll be a win for Relton and they can you know yeah there's a, there's a whole speedboat race plot in this episode mm. and I'm not going to lie 
I didn't have a clue what was going on at any ah, time. But well, I've, written, I've written some, some facetious things about them. Oh, so good, I'm glad. Don't we worry, we'll be fine. <laughs> I can fill you in on anything you need to know, trust yeah. me. So then we go to the yard where, once again, a scene at the yard starts with a close-up of a calculator indicating they have money worries. <laughs> well, I mean, your husband's brilliant point about the clink, clink, clink that needs to be in uh, so much narrative drama on television, yes. which is the pressure of money. Yes, because it's in all so of our lives TV... and people on TV have massive flats and no debts and then, yeah, there's not enough of it. So I say hurrah for the calculator close-up. I also say hurrah for the 30 Rock plotline because this is, we've got to lay off a certain number of staff <laughs> yeah. and I just wanted Jenna Maroney to come in and start pointing at people. <laughs> well, Tom Howard has also already laid off his own son. He was like, sorry, son, last in, first out and just sacks him <laughs> completely without I, affection. I also got very confused in this scene because in the first episode I watched, which was halfway through series one, I got confused about Jack talking about toy boats because he meant that any boat that wasn't made of wood might as well be a toy. Yes, a plastic so imagine toy. Imagine my consternation in this episode when Jack moves from one room to another and there's a toy boat. <laughs> there are real toy boats. Not the only one. There's a, there's a toy catamaran. There's a toy one. There's, there's quite a few. They've clearly had a budget for models this series they didn't previously have because models yeah. are in every episode this series so far. Hallelujah, Leo arrives. Hooray! <laughs> And I wrote, what decade is it, Leo Sunglasses? <laughs> I think he looks smashing. He gets topless later as well, so they're clearly going for like the whole sex symbol yeah. thing with him. Talk about, talk about bait and switch. That's <laughs> total false advertising. I'm like, ah, oh, hot dude near boat. Oh, great, it's Leo. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry we disappointed you. But no, Jack and Bill are talking about who they're going to sack. And they get, this guy called Bernie keeps coming up. Bernie, but he's got three kids and another one on the way. <laughs> he gets mentioned more than once this episode. Obviously, we will never meet Bernie. Bernie doesn't exist. But Jack is wondering if he can squeeze Avril to try and use her influence on Charles Freer to get the boatyard making money again. Because basically, they can't this make is, any money at the moment. This is the entire theme of this episode. This entire episode is women, hey? They'll do anything to get what they want from men. All three plots. Yeah, they'll manipulate them and flirt with them and go, oh, I will go for dinner with you. <laughs> dinner? But just consecutive meals? We'll come to that in a minute. Oh, yeah, no, the meals are endless. They literally do not end. The restaurants of Tarrant are just never <laughs> empty. Um, then we go to the marina, and that's probably where you mentioned, yes, Leo uh, is trying to cheer his dad up, but Tom is in the depths of self-pity. His reputation's in tatters. He's drinking a bottle of whiskey every three minutes. Um, he lives in a paint shed. He can't even afford a room in the pub anymore. Uh, his eye bags are like, you know, off all known charts. He's he's in a bad way. It was just the sunglasses for me. Um, I mean, I, I, I tune out when Leo's around anyway, but I, I literally just clocked the sunglasses and then I thought, well, time to move on. And when we do move on, my goodness, what a set. So Ken's working for Virgin Atlantic. Oh, now, yes, right? yes, yes. The red, the red, grey and black colour scheme. Um, Everything is red. It reminded me, I, I often say, of my brother's teenage bedroom, which was red, grey and black with sort of matching black ash furniture. <laughs> and here's Ken Masters, though, in order yeah. to, just to cheer us all up. And he's so cool. Now, he, now that we're in series three, yeah. he's almost completely dispensed with consonants <laughs> because the cool, the coolest people. Uh, he's he's become. <laughs> I feel like his balls are getting bigger as the show goes on, <laughs> as his success begins to grow. And when he's got another man to alpha it over, then he just becomes almost insufferably. Now I had back. to I had to call this guy Ecru Leisurewear um, <laughs> because obviously I'd never met him before. I didn't know who he was. By the end of the episode, I'd figured out that he is the husband of Ken's current squeeze. That's correct? the one. Yes, the the one with and the giant horns on his head, Mark <laughs> Cuckold Foster. That's his name. So there's a scene 
scene between whenever there's a scene between him and Ken, they're always sort of butting heads and trying to see who's got the biggest willy. But I like the way this scene starts. It starts with Mark unfurling a poster that says "Powerboat Race Prize Ten Thousand Pounds" with a picture of a powerboat. It's like keep it's it simple. Very, the camera won't be it, on it for long. <laughs> it's very very penultimate frame of the Beano, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. What am I going to do to, to buy all these cakes? And then there's a big sign that says, "Eat as many cakes as you want to win more cakes." Exactly. It feels a bit like that. So, but I like also while Mark is looking at that poster, he turns to go up the stairs to show it to Sarah and Ken. And Ken, when they cut you cut to them, he's just staring at Sarah's bum while <laughs> she's bending over the photocopier. It's like, oh, mate. I mean, you'd expect nothing more or less from Ken. They're trying to decide who's going to race the leisure cruise boat in Dr- this drive race. the boat. Dri- sorry, drive, drive the, the boat. boat. Yeah, that's it. Now I've said that before and felt foolish, like I probably got something wrong. But apparently, the speedboat you can drive it, not pilot it. Yeah. I don't know. Someone well, would I mean, write in and say. So at this point, Ken Masters and a man who I only know at this point as Ecru Leisureware. Ecru Leisureware are yeah. bumping heads over who gets to drive a boat and then there's a sort of ill-defined bet if one of us wins then a good thing will happen to that person Uh I think they get to represent the Leisure Cruise team for the rest of the season John it's probably that but all I care about is if Ken Masters is here, can Jan Howard be far behind? And no, she's not with the best entrance line anyone's had Go on. in any episode, purely because of the way people spoke in the 80s on television where they don't now. Jan is talking about the posthumous success of the fashionista Claude. And the first thing we hear is her saying, it was the final irony. <laughs> I played it back. I think it's definitely supposed to be irony, but what we hear is it was the final irony. <laughs> it's it's an extraordinary collection of syllables. Right, sack the sound man because they're making the <laughs> the goddess that is Jan sound like she can't pronounce the word irony. <laughs> <laughs> no, sack the eighties. Uh, arrest the eighties. Send it to prison for stupid pronunciation. Fair enough. Now Jan's in mauve, which throws the uh, colour coding all off whack. It does. As we know. When Jan's in white, she's mother, nurturer, carer. Yeah. When she's in blue, she's I'm a sex lady for my boutique. Yes. What does mauve mean? I don't know because it wasn't my first choice for like a colour that suggests power and business acumen. Like I'd have said something like slate grey or I don't know, something a bit more yeah. masculine. It's very floaty and feminine what she's wearing. But I guess she wants to represent fashion to these old fuddy-duddies who don't know. Which, as, as we know, it. is a waste of time because one of them has basically a line which is, we're old crusty white men, we can't possibly understand dresses, so show us where I your money or your vagina is and we'll consider it (laughs) that is the subtext of the scene (laughs) in a nutshell John so Jan is uh, before the board of Edward Freer's new local enterprise initiative he could give her up to a quarter of a million pounds we're told so she's gone there in her lilac finery to go and sort of uh, sweet talk these old buffers and at one point Sir Edward when he looks at her ambitious plans for expansion says you want to open a chain of boutiques (laughs) (laughs) Like, she's already got one. Like, she could probably have another few. Have a look in the appendix, Edward. The cash flow's all there. It is in the appendix. It is. (laughs) Just use her to And then they basically sort of say what they're trying to find out is, is she going to have to have lots of family requirements like women do? Yeah. But then they're like, oh, she's got no husband. Her kids are grown up. One of them's constantly missing. Um, (laughs) Score! This woman is going to have all her time to devote to business and dinner and sex, which are the only things that That women ever do. Yes, no, no. But obviously, Sir Edward is clumsily trying to, one, establish he likes the look of her and he wants to know what's under the lilac 
folds and two <laughs> that he uh yeah he wants he wants to know if she's single basically it's a very yeah. clumsy way of it, saying are you are you up for it <laughs> and it's another one of these insane timelines because it's dinner that night followed by uh, breakfast lunch and dinner the next day <laughs> well he does at the dinner he invites her for lunch it, it's it's like you want to spend all your time with me mm, uh, i've been on dates like that, every time you eat. <laughs> <laughs> but so yes he invites jan to dinner and it's very clear that it's a it's a sexy thing and then to complete my holy trinity of ken jan and kate <laughs> the next scene brings us dulcie gray apparently thinking about nicking a big chunky necklace <laughs> it's not made of gold john i can safely <laughs> say that but she acts so suspiciously with it and it was clearly just a you know we start on you with the necklace have a look at it put it down and then get it out of the way for the scene but mm. something goes awry between that direction and what actually ends up on screen because maybe it's like the fifth take shifty. i know it's like the fifth take she's like what do i do with the bloody can we just get on with this but i like jack <laughs> so jack is arriving to basically talk to his friend kate but i just wrote fish out of water because he does brilliant kind of Oh, I'm in a shop full of ladies' things. I don't feel terribly comfortable, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> and he sort of does that hands in pockets, like shoulder hunch thing, like, oh, ladies' frilly things, no thanks. So he's now exploiting that friendship. I mean, they are good With- pals, and he's sort of been there for her through her gambling addiction that she doesn't seem to have stopped yet, even though she's lost her house now. <laughs> and do we see a classic Howard's way, you can switch off for the next 30 seconds line? <laughs> yes, we do, because it's a wonderful introduction to exposition. She says to him, it's not as complicated as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and then launches into... A- the sister's cousin of the owner of the the, the, and i phoned so and so and she called so and so and sent a pigeon to what's it absolutely unfollowable no it's it's script wise not necessary at all but they've given us that hint because when someone says it's not as complicated as it sounds (laughs) you know you can go and put the kettle on exactly come back when the exposition's over in too long didn't read there's an admiral what wants a boat Turns out Kate sent him. She sort of hasn't seen him for a while, but she sent him along to the boatyard because she heard on the grapevine that he was looking for a boat. And she knows that her dear friend's boatyard is about to go under unless someone buys a boat from him. So, hence, ergo. And Jack very creepily says, you said you were lovely. <laughs> with a really <laughs> with a really creepy pause. Um, I if, like as that. If we're in a, <laughs> as if we're in a serial killer movie. No, it's really cute. It's like their kids are like, I think he likes you. And she's like, oh, well. <laughs> and, but uh, yes, um, she, she clearly has a past. But she agrees to try and have a word with Admiral Francis Redfern, as we now discover he's called. But she hasn't seen him for 30 years, but she says, sure. Judging by later in the episode, she finds out where he lives and agrees to go and have a word with him. Then, sexy, sexy saxophone. Cool, who's that? Oh, it's Leo. Now, uh, <laughs> but it's also I Amanda. Met... A saxophone is for Amanda. I hadn't met Amanda before. And there's a brilliant piece of what's supposed to be sexy back and forth dialogue, which I would slightly rewrite. Okay. Because... Amanda says to Leo, I'm not used to chasing after men. And he says, they usually come after you, do they? Sorry, they usually chase after you, do they? And I want her to say, yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> like, again, unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, what did you think I was saying? When I say I'm not used to chasing men, I mean, like, why do you think I was saying it, Leo? But instead, she just tries to paint him with a roller instead. She does. She threatens him with a loaded roller of blue paint and says, I want you to take me out to dinner in a way that you just, you'd literally you'd run into the sea rather than do it. She may be sexy, but she's clearly a murderer or worse. You know, she's mad. All of her days are spent just turning up and bugging him. This is literally, by the way, what every man does to every woman in this series. Yeah. But because a woman's doing it to a man, suddenly it's sinister. Every man is like, hello, here's my cigar and some of my money. Come over here, Popsy. Whereas, <laughs> Popsy. And then 
suddenly Amanda get you know, Amanda throws Leo a Sexually sort of flirty, moment, flirty, not a, a flirty bone that he fumbles and drops in the sea. <laughs> and then she has to enrol him in the blue man group to get him to take any noses off. <laughs> Oh, God. Let, let me tell you, John, it doesn't end well. She gets her moral comeuppance, don't you worry. <laughs> then we go to the Urquhart's house where Gerald. I've never met Gerald before. I've never oh, met him before. Oh. I'd only met the uh, the marmalade wig on a stick. The, um, yes, vinegar tits. Yes, her. Who's now a mullet on a stick. She's growing it out. She, she, she does a mullet and then she sticks a big bow at the back that's like twice <laughs> the size of the head. So it's quite an interesting, it's an odd look. It's quite unbalanced. They have a little bit of banter. Yeah. Uh, about how he's going to leave her, mostly. <laughs> it's like, let's play the, the leaving role play. Yeah. And then she very unsubtly says, she'll have to be very understanding, you massive homo. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it, it's not subtle, this bit. It's not subtle. But um, basically, yes, her, his bags are in the hallway. Preceding this, they've had big rows and Gerald has thrown a vase at a fireplace in disgust because she keeps spending... She's basically... She's bored. He's not noticing her like he used to, even though he didn't used to notice her like that, let's be clear. Mm. But, you know, he's not around to play and take her to dinner and take her to the theatre anymore. So she's going out of her mind with boredom. So to get his attention, she starts spending all their money on stuff. And then he sort of goes crackers over the credit card bill and, you know, they have a massive row. And then it turns out he's, his mind is actually on something completely different. A sad occurrence going on, I think, in London. Um, he receives a call from a doctor and you don't find out who, but it's like someone's not got long. And so you, he's definitely got something on his mind. And she's tried to be sympathetic, but he just won't talk to her about it. So they're kind of in a bit of a bad place at the start of this episode. And spending is clearly very important to Polly because at the end of the scene, when he leaves, she does the signal of tragedy, which is leaning on the back of the door. <sighs> Somebody leaves a house and you leave on the back of the door when you're an extremist. Exactly. just been told to rain spending it. And he says, otherwise I really will leave you. Bye! <laughs> I think he means it. Anyway, then we go to the Howard's house where Jan is doled up in basically some shimmering silver fabric. She looks quite... I mean, she's glittering as she walks. And she's getting meanwhile, ready to go out for dinner. Meanwhile, Kate is dressed as a beach hut. <laughs> she looked lovely. <laughs> She's in those yellow and white stripes. And Leo is in a blue cardigan, which was presumably a white cardigan before Amanda got her hands on it. <laughs> we find out that he's dating Kate's ex's granddaughter, which feels a bit incesty. Really incesty, but then that is Tarrant all over. Jan's going out to dinner with her daughter's ex-boyfriend, who nearly caused her death. The, the daughter's father. husband, yeah, the father. You know what I mean. Yes, that. <laughs> so, you know, it is all very incestuous. The whole town is like that. Leo's hounding his mum about who she's going out with and she won't say because she's clearly worried that Leo will be like, a frere? I don't think so. He'll be angry with but her. Then, but then, again, the way people only behave in drama, she doesn't want them to find out who she's going to dinner with. Yeah. But then she says, I haven't finished my presentation. So, basically, she says... I'm not going to tell you who I'm going out to dinner with, but I am going to give you a massive clue but for no reason, if that's okay. But shh, don't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to Avril's, where she's scraping some chopped onions over some raw chicken in an unappetising manner. <laughs> <laughs> now, A, I want to know what she's cooking. Yeah. B, that kitchen, that galley kitchen, it, it's like one of the flats they rent for a dinner date so that women aren't actually having strangers in their yes, homes. Yes, yes. It's exactly that kind of feel of no one actually lives here. And then you think it's going to be a sort of grim little flat, but then they move out into an, an open space where there's a grand piano yep. and there's a statement staircase. She's and, a managing director think, now, John, so she's moved to a kind yeah. of a waterside apartment. May I ask you a question? Yes. I think Howard's Way is very good at foreshadowing. And in this scene, Avril says, well, not unless I lose my job. It feels like if you're shown a gun in Act 1, then it's going to go off Very in check Act off. No, in this case, I don't think that's on the cards yet. There's so much <laughs> else that has to happen. No, I think in this case, that may just be bad writing. <laughs> 
<laughs> as it's leading you down a path which literally has nothing at the end of it but you know get your hopes up if you want it's like there's no skin off my nose mm. anyway um, i've got to put this raw chicken and raw onion in the oven mm, sure you won't stay for supper no thanks um i don't think the oven's even on so it's not good uh bernie's mentioned again bernie's got three kids and another one on the way <laughs> so everyone knows who bernie is he's a really popular guy also virile as fuck yeah well this is tarrant i mean you eat dinner you do business you have sex yeah and in the very very next scene there's something that surely must happen every night in caspers or wherever they are which is two people who used to be banging finding themselves in a restaurant yes. with different people at the same yes, time exactly exactly because like that's the only place to eat unless you want to go to the slightly down at heel italian which they usually only go to for lunch because it's more of a lunch place than a dinner place do you know what i mean <laughs> um before we leave avril's though she does write her dad quite just quite easily a three thousand pound check to pay the workforce for the next month so he doesn't have to lay off bernie and his four starving children well one on the way well you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> It'll be working down that boatyard before it's six months old. Um, <laughs> yes, then we go to fancy restaurant Casper's, where Sarah and Ken are weirdly holding hands and are not. Well, she's holding his hand and he's sort of not. Yeah. But she just keeps it there. It's like a claw. She just sort of keeps it on him while they're talking. And the waiter looks very like an 80s football manager. Oh, he's really? got that sort of wire brush hair. He's sort of, <laughs> usually nowadays, you know, if there's a waiter character, they'll be young and sexy. But this is like a 50 year old, mm. wire brush headed, <laughs> Brian Clough looking motherfucker, who is <laughs> apparently doling out the vino in Casper's. And um, maybe it maybe he's Casper, but he's just decided to slum it for the night. I don't know. Here are two things that absolutely uh, back up my theory that Leo may not be human. Okay. <laughs> um, firstly, he lets her eat all his food. Now, wait a minute. Leo? Leo's not yeah, in Casper's. Uh, oh, you fast forwarded. We haven't left Casper. John, we can't just leave Casper's. No, but Leo's in there, isn't he? Leo is in a cheap Italian restaurant that doesn't oh, in any way... Oh, between... I mean, it may just they're... be that they turn the camera around and that, that restaurant is the other side of the same room, but it's not supposed to be, John. That's not supposed to they're be what cutting, you think. They're cutting between eateries. Sorry, I didn't put they my, are my scene change. different restaurants. Otherwise, he's in the same restaurant as his mum, which would be yeah. really weird because he's already like quite Freudianly jealous of her going out with other people that aren't his dad, so I don't know... Uh, I see what's happened. It's, it's Casper's Italian <laughs> Casper's, isn't it? It's a yeah, Casper's sandwich. So Sarah and Ken are having a brief conversation about their affair. She's feeling guilty. Uh, no, she's at one point he's looking off into the distance. She says, "Penny for them." Oh, how many times has that line been used <laughs> in everything? I think Dawn said it to Ken in the first episode I watched. Yes, almost certainly. And then Poor old uh, Dawn. they discuss the fact that Mark is out for the evening, and <laughs> Ken even wonders, or she wonders, if he's doing it on purpose, like giving them space to have their affair to incriminate themselves, which is prefiguring, frankly, judging by the last scene. Mm -hmm. um, and then Jan walks in with Sir Edward. Incessant piano music throughout, I put. It's really like, it's not <laughs> like gentle background piano, it's just like piercingly proddingly annoying and then Sarah observes that Ken might be jealous that Jan's there with somebody else yeah that's right so as I was saying he lets her eat all his food yeah he's just sitting there taking chip after chip after chip oh. from his basket and also he says you're rich I don't like that <laughs> yes Yes, well, does it make him feel emasculated? Because, frankly, <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of it left to, to have removed from him. Also, really. the, I mean, the, the chips have done that. Anyway, the white and blue is all the way is the wrong way round in this scene, so maybe it skipped a generation. Uh, oh. So Virginal Leo is in blue and uh, Sex Lady Amanda. She is a sex white. lady, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he really should be wearing white because this is the scene, they didn't have the word then, but this is the scene where Leo cops to being an incel. <laughs> they have this girlfriend talk and he basically says, no woman has ever allowed me to touch her apart from my sad friend who ran away yeah. and even she didn't 
<laughs> Even her baby wasn't fathered by me because I can't. Yeah, no, there's, 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 there's an odd thing to get to. He must be, what, 21, 22 now? Yeah. I mean, it happens. It seems a man who's willing to stand around painting boats with his top off has has not has yet to be touched by woman or man or indeed anyone. I like when they're discussing their plans for the future and Amanda makes it clear repeatedly that she's just a crazy live in the moment kind of dude and she says I don't even know what I'm going to do in the next hour <laughs> because she's a crazy manic pixie dream girl and um, yeah then Leo recalls wistfully how he used to go out with someone really boring who was very serious all the time but not really go out with her he starts with she was the exact opposite of you and I thought that sentence has to stop there <laughs> She said, no, she was everything you're not. She's everything you're not. And then it's like, don't make a list, don't make a list. But it still feels like he's, it's really weird because of his acting and the script. It feels like he just has no interest in being there, but yet somehow his body has forced him to come. He's, yeah. He just doesn't really like her. She's an idiot. He's not keen on her at all. But he just keeps on agreeing to whatever she says because he just can't say no. Yeah, also. I'm not convinced of his motives. Also, she's fine. She does, it's Janice in Friends syndrome it's, in this episode at least because my, my husband's always saying whenever an episode of Friends with Janice is I need to say they're so awful to that nice woman they are awful to <laughs> oh she's enthusiastic and she laughs and she's pleased to see us what a horror yeah. and in, I'm, I'm prepared to believe that Amanda is, you know, maleficent herself. But in this episode, she, she comes in, she tries to flirt with Leo. He goes, sorry, I'm too stupid to be flirted with. <laughs> then, then they go out for dinner and she says, so, have you had lots of girls before? And he said, no, there was one and she wasn't like you. <laughs> um, and then later on in the episode, what happens later on happens. Oh, hello you. My name's Tom Price. Hello, I'm Dave Cribb. You should come and join us every day. We do a podcast called Cabin Fever, where we talk to loads of comedians who've had to cancel everything else in their lives. So they come on our podcast instead, don't they, Dave? Yeah, it's an isolation podcast. Uh, it's Dave, were you yawning the at the start of that sentence then? Was it just a little yawn? Yeah, it's basically the Great Big Owl isolation podcast. We'll have people on from all our podcasts, from your Rule of Threes, your Brian and Rogers, your musicals, your bitchins. If you like any of our podcasts, if you like any of those people, chances are they'll be logging onto the Zoom call and just chatting because, let's face it, they got nothing else to do. Also, there'll be a quiz on the bill. All right, see you soon. Lots of love. Cabin F-E-A-3709. Oh, 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 that's our Twitter name. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I know. I'm sort of team Amanda at this point. Okay, well, I will just say that she has stolen a boat and forced him to be an accessory, and they were pulled over by the police. And... An accessory like like a brooch? <laughs> yes, or... yes, like a nice she's handbag. Just, she's just wearing Leo as a cameo to hold I think ultimately on. she does want to make him into her next handbag, but like nothing more. Uh, she just wants, just wants a puppet to play with. Yes, now, so the humble restaurant, we leave them there. She's trying to convince him she can be serious too, but she really can't because she's just a crazy girl who might just suddenly, I don't know, steal a BMX and knock over a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to Fancy Casper's where Jan and Sir Edward are chatting and then she notices Ken and kind of the thunderclouds briefly pass across her face. But before that, there's some pretty dodgy sexual politics. Yes. Because, um, I mean, Jan is magnificently uncommitted to this whole Edward Frere thing. Yeah. Both in this day and in the subsequent one that, that comes later in the episode. Yeah. Everything she's saying is, just don't touch me. Yeah, really, um, I don't like you physically <laughs> at all. And she asks lots of ways is this a bad idea questions at the beginning of this day including do you take your male people who are applying for money out to dinner yeah and he says no don't tell the sex equality people and they both laugh and jan laughs she has to she needs the money big lols we find out that boats killed her marriage now it's it's not great dialogue this scene but they're so classy especially jan harvey this is my jan harvey worship section that i always have in she's so natural and sometimes the dialogue isn't great but she says stuff like it's just occurred to her yeah. which is really really hard to do with some of these lines and i just i, I bow to her she could do it with shakespeare um, i bet she's just brilliant I, then there's consecutive meals <laughs> we've just finished dinner come to lunch tomorrow but also he's being so no he's being so creepy like he knows everything about her who her husband used to work for and there's a kind of exchange of oh you've been checking up on me but seriously at that point I'd be like okay that's actually stalking that's I'm not okay with that I suppose in the 80s it is because now you just read the Facebook and you find out all this information but I suppose you had to do a bit of work to get that oh yeah Um, they have a very weird uh, unfinished line moment because he's asked her to lunch and she's saying I don't think that's a good idea blah 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 and then she says well in that case and it's that usual 80s thing of, I'm going to say something rather mysterious. But she doesn't get a chance to say it because she clocks Ken. Leaving with Meanwhile, Sarah. Edward, there's like 30 seconds when Edward isn't going, sorry, in what case? <laughs> sorry, this sorry, this is the defining decision of this entire meal. And you're about to make it. And now you're sitting there like you're in the mirror cracked and you've just seen the woman who gave you... Uh, Don't no, spoil the mirror, the mirror cracked. cracked. But, <laughs> but, but I think she answers him with just a, with a twinkle, with a Jan twinkle. Like just something, she, she, she knows how to change her body language just slightly to say, go on then, you naughty man. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the kind of Jan twinkle he's after. I know it's not and he's not going to get the actual one. I mean, he just can't do So back to Ken's cuckoldry. Uh, yes. Sarah's quite boring, yes? She's very beautiful and very dull. She's just sort of, um, yeah. yes, um, and again, sort of blown along like a leaf in the wind when it comes to Ken. She's always going, oh, I feel really guilty, and then getting off with him. Just, you know. Yeah, and, and he, but he, he absolutely exploits that, because oh, that yeah. whole scene is, kiss, 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 I'd better go, don't go, okay, kiss, 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 but I should go, but kiss, but go, but kiss, oh, but go. Yes. Yeah, so he's massively manipulating her, and she wonders why Ken's wanting to go, and actually she senses that it might be the fact he's seen Jan. He, Jan's the only woman he's ever actually loved and kind of relaxed 
relaxed with. So is the only woman he hasn't just treated like an object. He's actually sort of invested emotionally in her. So it probably did ruffle and, his feathers and a bit. financially. Well, yes, and still financially. He's not willing to let go of that, obviously, because the feelings are still there. And then we leave Sarah alone looking at a picture of her cuckolded, dickless husband. <laughs> <laughs> Fade. And then we go to the Howard's house where Jan is trying to sneak in from her date with Sir Edward, like closing the door very Silver gently. teapot or stainless steel teapot? It's a stainless steel teapot, I think. We did, we did see, shiny. we do see Kate doing the silver in the last episode, but that looks too modern to be a. Well, it could be. Now, this is a scene which was written in Romanian or Bulgarian and translated <laughs> into English by by somebody who's not great at either language. Okay. Um, uh, particularly when Jan says, <laughs> "Just like the old times." Yeah, and that was a bit odd, wasn't it? Just like old <laughs> times, or the olden days, or but not yeah, the olden just, just the like old times. the old times in my village. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's a little strange. But um, Kate warns her daughter, obviously after what happened to Lynn with Freya Jr., so just be careful. He looks like an extremely attractive man, but, you know, he might be like father, like son, like son, like father. And the Freya Freya confusion is all over this scene. <laughs> I mean, is. pick a side. I see. Um, I asked Jan. I think... She's like, no, 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 it was never decided. There was no style guide on that. Everyone just made up their own pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, everyone really does. And I think what's confusing is sometimes people are saying Freer, but they're so posh it comes out as Frere. So you don't, you don't actually know you don't actually know whether they're doing doubly or anyway. Yes, very no, very confusing. Um, then there's I know the legal scene is really important, but it's quite dark. It's a bit brown wood panelling has been shipped in at the last minute, and they're yes, they're arguing in a solicitor's office about the main beam again. Like we don't really need to see this gone over again. It never seems to move things on either. It's like another meeting to establish that Tom is still in limbo, his reputation still hangs in the balance, da 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 etc, etc. But crucially, they won't accept the settlement, will they? So no. Tom's going to be bankrupt. To- yes, if it, if this now goes against him, which it looks like it could do, then yes, the, the yard, everything, gone, fut. Awful. Uh, obviously, so it then triggers a massive boozing bender with Tom and Jack later on in the Jolly Sailor. Well, we'll find them in a minute. Oh. Back at Highfield, which is the grand ancestral seat of the Frere 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 family. Um, <laughs> There's some very ill-advised handheld in the car. Yes, and also uh, it, gave, it gave me motion sickness. It was like zooming on around with the Baroque music. Someone like, is sitting in the passenger seat of Jan's VW, I think, and it's yes, it's a little bit, <laughs> little bit Lars von Trier's. Um, <laughs> but there's harpsichord and birdsong, but it's, it's, it establishes baronial rural idyll. And she's late. I thought she was. I thought she was listening to the baroque music, but then in the car. But then no, no. There's just always and, a string quartet and a harpsichord playing outside <laughs> his house. You know, just to let people know that this is the kind of. She's in virginal white. She's saying, "Don't touch me." She is, and she is late. She so is. she's sending messages there. And do you know why she's of... late, John? She's late because she had another meeting at the bank. She has one about twice a day at the moment. <laughs> I had a meeting at the bank. I just couldn't get away again. All you do, do you having an affair with the bank manager? Just say it. Yes. So then we go to the now, I, house. I assume that I assume that Gerald was in the middle of someone, and that's why he was not where he was supposed well, to be. Well, I but knew that maybe he wasn't not because maybe because of not. because of the hidden sadness, John, that he can't speak mm. out loud. But so yes, we are actually at the Urquhart's house, and Polly answers the phone. I've put here in frightful plaid <laughs> <laughs> to Charles, who was calling to inquire after the whereabouts of Gerald, who 
it turns out has gone AWOL and she's like, oh no, there has been an accident because he pays the credit card bills. And then we do go back to Highfield, but they're in the sunny garden and they're kind of at Jan and Sir Edward are having this dancing around each other conversation about, you know, oh, don't you get lonely in this big house? Bearing in mind she's there because she's like, you own that big house, don't you? Can I have a look around? I like your house. It's massive. <laughs> she's got <laughs> designs also, on it. It's Jan and Ed do sexual politics again. Yeah. Because the role of women said, he, in the workplace, etc., etc. He says he's only happy when he's working yeah. and that's the wrong way round because it's the least important. And he's like, tell that to everyone in the arts. And she says, what about Mrs. Everyone in the arts? <laughs> yes, Liz? yes, Mrs. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> well, she creates subsets. There's Mrs. Shakespeare wouldn't say so, nor would most women. So we've got Mrs. Shakespeare and most women in different... I suppose most women aren't Mrs. I Shakespeare, know. so Jan's mass is flawless. But then she goes on to say, because she's still trying to keep him at arm's length romantically, that all she has time for is work and she just doesn't have yeah, she... anything else to do. It's like, oh, Walking, by the way, to her car, they're standing on a sort of nice balcony. There's no, I'd better go. They're chatting away. Mrs. Shakespeare this, Mrs. Shakespeare that. And she's just grudging. I seem to be getting closer and closer to my car. <laughs> and, and basically, she said, when she gets to the I'm not available line, she puts her hand on her car door. Yeah. White dress, you see. And then, even as she's left without any kind of salutation, no, I'd better go. She's literally... No. And he says, through the window... I'm going to be talking to the people with the money you want about the money you want tomorrow. And he's really says, leaning right. through the window as well. And she says, all right, bye. <laughs> not like, a, oh, I, I better slip me the tongue then just to make sure I've sealed the deal. No, but, <laughs> no, but not even a, well, that's very kind of you. Fingers crossed, thank you for lunch. This well, is right. strange, isn't it? People all right, bye. scenes oddly this series. Then we go to uh, the boat where Leo is finishing painting. He's removing the masking tape from a painting job he's been doing. He's magically got clients for his boat painting business. He handed out the flyers yesterday. Uh, <laughs> today, can't move for clients. He's got so many. And Amanda, Amanda is also wearing a beach hat. That's the theme of the episode. Exactly. She's wearing a blue beach hat that yes. matches Dulcie's yellow one. A lot of lovely stripes. This is where maybe I start sort of losing sympathy with her. <laughs> she essentially says, you know how me having money makes you uncomfortable? Do you want some of my money? Because <laughs> then you'd have some and I'd have some, so it'd like be more evens. It's, I want to invest in you. Oh, don't do anything, I'm Leo. I mean, why isn't he saying the rainforests? Why isn't he saying the yes, wilds? Yes, what about all the ecology he was so wrapped what up in? What actually happens in this scene, never mind what you say about Amanda stealing boats or whatever, is she says, would you like some money? And he says, yeah, and kisses her. <laughs> he does. That's, like mother, like what son, happens. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, his conviction is never obvious. He doesn't jump into anything with both feet. He just goes, well, if I stand here long enough, you'll probably, gravity will just mean we'll end up banging <laughs> our faces together. Um, yeah, he's just so unenthusiastic. Uh, it's very, very strange. And also, while he's kissing her, he then sort of goes to put his arm around her, but just ends up staring at the paint on the back of his own hand while he's yes, kissing which her. Looks, which looks like a wound. <laughs> it's just weird. There's some kissing, at least. That's nice. There's a bit more there's a bit more flirtation this episode last couple of episodes john it was just briefcases and oh my god boardrooms this is so much more exciting so back at the Urquhart's Gerald does finally turn up and he says he's been visiting a friend um, his very best friend we discover his oldest and dearest friend and and it's all about what's unspoken between them Polly says the single most creepy thing anyone could say in that I was about to say it was really tender and really lovely (laughs) so my friend my oldest friend is dying I've just seen him nearly on the verge of dying I'm very upset about it I'm invested enough about this to lie to you about it yeah Share him with me, <laughs> says Polly. 
She's just like, I haven't got anything to do. I'm bored. Tell me about the shit that's going on in your life, please. I want to suckle on your grief. I want to drink your pain. I want to consume it. I want to turn from a stick into a real girl. <laughs> I read it entirely as like I was sympathetic for once, sympathetic to her, that she's been trying to get him to open up to her. But maybe her... Totally like, creeped out. Maybe her, her motivation is a bit not great. But I just thought it was it's her like trying that, it's to like that it's like that song from uh, The Phantom of the Opera. Say or share with me each day, each morning, anywhere you go, let me go to. <laughs> Love me. That's all I that's all I ask of you, it's called. <laughs> let me go everywhere you go. Yeah. That is all I ask. It's like that's, most... that, that's the vibe I got from Share Him With Me. Now we go on to The Jolly Sailor, where Jack and Tom are arseholes. And then there's the As you most... can tell from all the completely empty glasses in front empty of them. Empty glasses. They are just, but there's not a dribble in them. No, well, they're very They've sad. They've just been put there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're now onto the tiny glasses of whiskey that they'll be able to down in two gulps. And then there's the most awkward thing I've ever seen, I think, in an episode of Howard's Way, where because yeah. Jack's drunk, he calls the pub to order in order to say something important to the gathered drinkers. But it doesn't really go to plan. It's brilliantly awkward. I felt really uncomfortable. I stopped writing notes. <laughs> um, they first of all sort of totally ignore him. Then he tries to get them to sing for he's a jolly good fellow yeah. and the, the nearest extra to him does the classic who's this guy thumb yeah. you know the, the, the thumb pointing behind you eventually he just bullies them into finishing he's a jolly good fellow and then he says hip hip hooray and all the various sex criminals that are gathered around the bar who all have sex criminal coats and sex criminal yeah. glasses on yeah. do a sort of half-hearted sex criminal hooray but then and even the hoorays are so puny it's just I wish he hadn't bothered then we go to sea power boats they're lining up for the big race Charles has got binoculars they're there's adrenaline in the air. Avril's there. Sarah's there and she wishes Ken and Mark good luck in turn, but obviously is caught between the two of them. And they're now in direct can competition. Can I read you my notes verbatim? Please. Capital letters, drama boat, exclamation mark. No idea. Avril, question mark? Is this the race, question mark? It must be the race. Synth and sax gave up on knowing what's happening. Cool. Excellent. So that's all you need to know. There's going to be a race. There's synth, there's sax. It's power. It's the 80s. It's exciting. <laughs> They're revving their engines. Cut to... My favourite mini scene in the whole episode. This and I'll tell you why. Fashion HQ. First of all... Jan comes into shot from about 15 feet away. So they're doing the Acorn Antiques. Yes, that's much better if we take delivery of these antiques in the morning, etc. But for some reason, Jan is too far off camera. So you see her sort of bombing in, going, <laughs> uh, peplums, slacks, on the bias. And then no, her, she has a brilliant her... line. Can we not? Can I, I have written the line down because I liked it so much. She says, yes I, see, <laughs> yes, I see what you mean about the sleeve length, but isn't it going to elongate the shoulder line? Uh, and Anna reassures her that there's, that's all been accounted for in other parts of the design. But I love, I love it when they try and do fashion talk, business talk, boat, boaty, boaty talk is my favourite, obviously, because they just get it straight out of a textbook and it's just, it's hot. But um, the fashion talk is like the second best thing. Then Edward shows up. Again, people, just men not getting the message and just turning up or women not getting the message and just turning up. Basically, don't stand so close to me by the police, isn't it? No, no it's every breath you take by the police. <laughs> it's just it's both. Everyone's stalking a, everyone else. It's a Police Greatest Hits album episode. It literally is. So Edward shows up to Leo, tell... Invisible Sun. <laughs> hey! Hey! Honestly, if you've got any more police uh, Howard's Way mashups, we'd love to hear them. Please write in and say... Edward... I love the end of this scene. Oh, go on. Okay. Uh, sorry, go on. No, just saying Edward, you know... Edward turns up to tell her in person the good news that she's now going to get the grant, get all the money, she can open a boutique, all that business. Yeah. And we see the most Howard's Way thing ever, which is... Jan opens the envelope, which presumably is the cheque. Yeah. 
I um, wanted it to be a big check. I was sad it wasn't like a really big check. <laughs> she shows it sort of reverentially to Anna, and it's like money. <laughs> Look, it's money. It's what we all dream of. Look at the piece of paper that says money. This is what um, it's all that's about. That's how it's I can do the next scene for you again from my notes. That would be great. So back at the powerboat race. Race! Exclamation mark. <laughs> I am checking Twitter. I started checking Twitter. Oh, John. People with binoculars are happy or worried. <laughs> I think Ken won, which for some reason is bad for Avril. <laughs> it That's is. The See, so again, you got all the salient points there. Leisure Cruise had two riders in that race, Ken and Mark. Obviously, competition for Sarah's love, competition for male supremacy generally. Ken beats professional speedboat racer Mark somehow. <laughs> He beats him. So Ken is delighted. Mark can be seen to be annoyed because he's kind of shaking his fists in the air, but from a very long way away, but you need to see that he's pissed off. It's also important to be able to recognise Mark from a long way away, isn't it, Julia? (laughs) Oh, it will be. You know it. Then we cut to Sarah, who's delighted. She's like, oh, we've got first and second, because, you know, both the men she's sleeping with did very well. (laughs) And then the Scotsman, you probably won't know, is standing next to her, is like a new client of Leisure Cruise, and his boats are the ones that have just won the race. And she's like, that's great. They've both won. And she's like, "You've you've got a couple of great pilots there. Then you can hold on to both of them for the rest of the season. And Sarah's face clouds and I kind of like, oh, shit, yeah, hold on to both hold of them. Hold on to both their dicks, more mm, like. Well, I mean, that's effectively what she is doing. So we leave her <laughs> there in her own sort of moral quandary, but not really. And then we go to the back of Sir Edward's sort of chauffeur-driven limousine, where he's, he's with he's Sir driving, John. He's driving through his, his wooded area. He just gets to drive where, around the where, estate. Where the, where the women who don't get investment end up. <laughs> that's right, with the dogs chasing them. Um, <laughs> He says again, this is about the fifth time he said to Sir John, his faithful elderly retainer, this is the bank guy, he says to him, have you severed all connections with Charles yet? Because we've now established that Charles and Edward are going to go up against each other in business. They're in competition now. One wants to destroy the other. And Sir John sort of advises Charles and now Edward's back from abroad. He's like, you're going to have to stop doing that because we're in competition now. It's a conflict of interest. So Sir John is not getting the message. <laughs> have you severed they're, contact they're with the, Charles yet? No. They're the original Charles and Eddie of Would I Like? <laughs> Yes, they are. Charles and Eddie, as they shall now be known. Brilliant. <laughs> so that situation is unresolved, but it's, he seems Speaking to Speaking be... of Charles, he has, as we find out in the next scene, the uncanny ability to sound <clears throat> totally amplified in a large pub garden without a microphone in sight. <laughs> we do a, a tracking shot in of the pub. There's 200 people in the garden. There's a big sign up saying Ken has won the race. He gets the money. He does now, say that. Or yeah, something. Yeah. And then he, so he does the ladies and gentlemen. And you've got the sound echoing off the walls <laughs> and bouncing. And I was thinking, please don't let there be a microphone in no, front of him. That no. would make my day. And then they cut to him and he's doing it all with projection love. Wow. He isn't. He was Mike. No, come on. I can't believe that. He's a trained actor. <laughs> he was doing it just all with the power of his own voice. So yes, it's the prize giving. Ken has won the race. He's in receipt of a £10,000 cheque and a medium-sized cup into which obviously he, he pours champagne. Ken is resplendent in a very vivid lemon racing suit. Oh, Ken, that's a lot of yellow. He does look that's pretty. I think he carries it yellow. off pretty well. If anyone can. If anyone can, Masters can. Yeah, and he's smugging his own face off. He's loving himself mm. sick. And he smarms at Charles, who he's had run-ins with in the past, and says, uh, better luck next time, eh? And Charles, you know, sucks lemons, ironically, while Ken is wearing them. And then we go to the Admiral's house. Oh, Michael, that voice. Michael Dennison, real-life husband of Dulcie Gray. Yay! Um, 
playing her old love interest with a twinkle and a sort of molasses-coloured rich voice, oh. which is the poshest thing you have ever heard in your and life. It's so and so lovely. He, he says, damn the begonias. Damn the begonias. <laughs> So Kate. So turns she's come up. to sex some money out of him. She she's going to share until, until he agrees to have his boat built by her other friend Jack, who she's not having any kind of romantic thing with. They're just pals. But this is this is clearly an old flame from thirty or more years ago. They dance cheek to cheek, and then he sings to her, "Moonlight becomes you," and it's all very like, "Oh, you lovely old old oh, stop it! No, don't stop it! It's <laughs> lovely." And they kind of have this lovely sort of reunion. It's delightful, and she advises him on the planting of his begonias. They're in the wrong place. There's too much shade there, and they need more sun apparently. Or is it they need Damn more shade? Damn the begonias! Yeah. Anyway, there's another classic sexy line that they both laugh at along the lines of, "Don't tell the social equality people." He says, "I don't like bossy women," <laughs> and she laughs a merry laugh. <laughs> But so real life husband and wife, I'm guessing it just became, he became free and she was like, Solid, do you want to? Come and do this. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it feels like a part that was written for him. He is just perfection. Oh, gotcha. And I'm pleased to report there will be more. It's not like a one episode ah, thing. He's grand. he's joining the show for That's a while. Good. And maybe also... there's a little something, something going on with the two of them. Oh, Lordy. I also love the way the series by series three is very happy to go. Here's a Morris Traveller. You know that means Darcy. Oh, I know. I haven't seen that car for ages. It's my favourite <laughs> car. I still long for that car. So now we're back in Cuckoldland and Tope Leisureware is a bad loser. Um, <laughs> and and they're drinking champagne from the cup and sort of talking about the future. And there's lots of references to them being a team, which is full of irony. But then another classic of business speak absolutely like one of my favorite moments of well just say something that sounds like job stuff where essentially ken says why don't we get someone to invest money in the business and sarah says yes and then we could use the money they give us to buy things <laughs> it is marvelously like fisher price yeah it's not good is it that is brilliant although to that add brilliant business to add to your charles freer 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 pronunciation <laughs> dossier in this scene ken says and i quote you should have seen Charles Freyers's face. Freyers's <laughs> face. It was. It was again. Like I thought, there were no new ways to go. He found a new one. It was just astonishing. <laughs> he says, "Well, I'm going to go to Portugal," as if to say, "I'm going to punch you in the face." Exactly. I think he says it aggressively because what he really means is, "I'm going to hide behind a bush to see if you're cheating on my wife." <laughs> as we all discover. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so then we go to the yard where Tom is forlornly packing a cardboard <laughs> box with his things because he's going to throw himself on his sword and just leave the yard, just walk off into the desert on his own, probably just die. They talk him out of it. They say, how will the court case look if you've left the yard? It'll look guilty. They all have these good reasons why Tom should stay put and yeah, stop sulking. Exactly. But then they come up with the most time-intensive, useless Heath Robinson plan, which is essentially boiled down to, hang on, why don't I rebuild the boat and see if I make the same mistake again and then I'll know what mistake I made if I did. can't get the actual boat, so they're just going to have to make a new one, but surely that'll take ages. And also, you can't come into court and go, here's a boat I've made well, and the court will go... Mate, it's not the one the woman drowned in. Yeah, no, that is a different one. That that guy, yeah, no, it's... What, you, what you've done is you've made that again, haven't you? Gavel, I don't gavel. think that ultimately is going to be what clears him, if indeed he does get cleared. But at the end of the scene, there's a really nice little moment of, like, proper cheesecake sort of Hollywood, where Kate's standing in the middle. She's announced that she's persuaded the Admiral to throw his money their way. He, ha he is going to order a boat. She's managed to convince him to commit. And Tom's on one side, Jack's on the other... 
And they just basically, hooray for Kate. And they both kind of lean in and kiss her on the cheek at the same time. Mm. It's just, it's delightful. And then she Kate says... Kate Wilder, she used to be called. She said, you should have seen me when I was Kate Wilder. And, uh, you know, and knowing, knowing what we know about the real Dulcie as well, she really was. She had a good time mm-hmm. on this earth. Yeah. That also, that's, I think Kate Wilder is now going to be my drag name. Uh, absolutely should be. I was thinking about using it in my book, actually. I go, well, you have it. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> OK, so then one more time back to the, the speed. So the speedboats have been quite a phallic thing in this episode. But now they really are because Ken's on a speedboat moored offshore with Sarah. In the tiniest, tiniest shorts. And she's in a blue bikini to denote whore. Yeah. As I wrote, is your I wrote, code, yeah. When I saw the shorts, I wrote, please, Ken, my children, they're very young. <laughs> you can't suddenly show us these teeny tiny shorts. And then we really, really do get massive foreshadowing in this one because Ken says, are you sure he caught that plane? And Sarah says, yes, I saw him through the departure channel myself, which is another piece which of Which means he had to do the Chandler thing to get rid of Janice if we're bringing it back to her again, where he had to literally <laughs> almost fly to Yemen because he told that he was going Yemen to <laughs> so in the knowledge that Mark is safely through the departure channel, yeah. Ken and Sarah think, well, let's do it right here, hand, just under this handy viewing area. Yes, inside of let's the shore. Put the boat, <laughs> let's put the boat right under that promontory where Mark likes to stand with his binoculars. <laughs> sure Can't enough. say anything would go wrong there. Sure enough, they start smooching and sipping on champagne and generally being half nude together. And meanwhile, behind a hedge, Mark the cuckold with his binoculars hovers, positions himself and looks through his viewfinders and sees what he needs to see, basically. And then Sarah senses something isn't quite right and looks and sees him. She probably sees movement three feet away, which is where she's where he's standing. They are under him. <laughs> it was a mistake in hindsight, John. Um, but yes, and her face, you know, goes all sort of thundercloudy. And Ken says, was that who I thought it was? And she nods and he says, oh, dear. Titles. So at the end of episode, obviously very bad things are coming in terms of yeah. that little love triangle. How did, how did you feel after your third visit to Tarrant? I'm quite scared at what will have changed by the time in, in, in episode four. Mm. Um, as ever, a mixture of baffled, uh, relieved and grateful <laughs> that in the course of an episode, it is possible to catch up. So I was up to speed Yay! with what was happening in the plot by you the end of the see, episode. see, this is the beauty of um, the show. And just very much enjoying, if that's the right word, what this show thinks human beings are, <laughs> which are walking, can I have some money or sex or food machines? Look, the, which I suppose we might be. These are the 80s, John. Like, to be honest, now it seems like, it does seem like a more innocent time. Compared to now, it's like, it's the only place I want to live. I think if it continues on this trajectory, everyone in the show rolling around the floor of Casper's <laughs> in fashion wear, <laughs> having sex and eating money. Drinking <laughs> crude oil from goblets. Yeah. <laughs> sex, then, business, then, oil. Then suddenly somebody will be freezing in a fluorescent gilet on a boat for 20 seconds. So, hang on, but that surely means the thing about the boats is going to happen to the boats, and then we'll cut back to the orgy. That, boat, that boat, has boat, to be boat, the boat. direction they're heading in. Boat, 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 boat. It was such a pleasure to have you back in Tarrant. I believe oh, you're, going, to be back. you're going to have a stab at the closing song, is that correct? I am, yes. It's not about Leo being a serial killer, is it? Because it just seems to be it, a theme. It, it's not. Well, no, I've, I've gone off the serial killer thing now. I just think he's maybe not human. Or maybe the inter. I think Leo's going to end up doing Gamergate or something like that. Fine. Yeah, actually, that's after today's episode, that does seem more likely. Anyway, John, I can't wait to hear your song, Warm Up Your Pipes. And thank you again <clears> for being <throat> always there. Thank you very much. I hope I always will. 
so much that most of the cast are clueless to. Are they saying it's real or threat? Each time it reappears, it's different. So I beg you, please decide free or those Twitter notifications? Forgot to watch anything but Netflix? Dreading the video conference small talk at nine? You need a new vitamin, you know. You need the Smart 7. It's a brand new daily podcast that puts your brain into gear. Everything you need to know in less than seven minutes. You need the Smarts? Hey, we got the Smarts. The Smart 7, every weekday at 7 a.m. Available right now on Spotify and all the usual places. 